All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I hate to break the fishing news up here, Amchuk, but I'd like to speak about the ice hockey. Congratulations. You're one of the 13 listeners of the Real Life Podcast. We just traded a migraine in for like an orgasm. You might want to mark that down. Yep. All of my projects are on schedule until they're not. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. About as funny as we're going to get today. Welcome in episode 221 of the Real Life Podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, Oilers Nation. It's a holiday Monday, but uh, as Jay told me before we started recording, holiday Mondays are just a chance for you to get a leg up on the competition. So that's what we're doing today. We're getting a leg up on all those other hockey podcasts, and we, uh, we're going to get above number 199 on the charts because of this episode today. Um, sadly, only three of us really had the mindset of getting up on a holiday Monday and recording a podcast. So I'm joined by Jay. I'm also joined by our good friend Josh Park. Josh, how are you? I'm doing excellent. I'm ready to get the leg up on a holiday Monday. I love that, Jay. Jay, did you come up with that? Yeah, you, you get a day up on the field, man. Of course. Yeah. Why not? Jay, Monday. Jay, you said you were already, you w- woke up this morning, played hockey, and now you're already at the office. I'm shot out of a cannon and I'm on my second coffee. So I'm going to own Monday until about 8 p.m. when I crash. You, there was enough guys to play hockey on a holiday Monday. Oh, Jay? my That's God. It was, it was like, and like quality turnout, too. So like it was, and uh, because it was the holiday, there wasn't an ice time after us. So the guy gave oh. us an extra half an hour. Wow. So there was, we had bonus time and it was, uh, it was a good skate. Nothing beats a beauty Zamboni driver like that. Hey, well, you know what? I, I I'm pretty sure. Um, I think it's the same guy. Um, I saw him wearing a nation hoodie like hey. two months ago. So no way. Uh, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play hoodie Santa and drop one in his office here in the next week or two when I get one in my hands. I've got him, I've got him eyed up to be about a large. So, um, 
And hopefully, I'm, I'm going to err on the side of going the bigger size because you can always shrink. You can never expand. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So, I'm going to drop off a large hoodie when I get one here. All right. That's cool. Do you, what rink yeah. was it at? Maybe we, maybe he listens to the podcast. Oh, maybe he does. So, Argyle rink. Okay. Uh, and also, mind-blowing. You know what? Like, it's a dump, but it's also amazing. Like, good ice. Yeah. Uh, the showers are, like, optically not the best, but, like, Temperature control and mm. water pressure, the best in the city. Whoa, whoa, whoa. showers open, Jay? They, you know what? They just opened. They just opened. So really? I was there today. Oh. I didn't I didn't know this because I'm not a vet of this state. And uh, came sans towel. And, uh, yeah, I was just like, holy shit. Okay, well, I'll be ready because, like, those are, you know, the best. Like, you, you, That's the only shower in a, in a city arena that I could, like, I have a tough time leaving. I the showers have been, is Argyle a city ran rink? I don't I think, so. think so. No, I don't oh, think no. it is. I think oh. it's private. Yeah, okay, and that's that why they, they can probably do some uh, a mm. little bit of different rules. Like I know they, I think they were allowing skating a little bit, like maybe like two weeks before like the city rinks open. Like they kind of just kind of float around and kind of do their own thing, but also kind of follow the rules. Of course, I think they opened the showers on October first. I heard that because I had a rec league game at that rank on like September whatever day it was and the showers yeah. weren't open but I think they opened them on the first so you're lucky because I played at what's that one way north side KC Twin Arena yeah, yeah. and they oh, still yeah. aren't open so huh. what a joke Man, oh, that's yeah, been the worst of men's out there yeah, I've played that rank a ton that, uh, that's the, been the worst part about the return to beer league for me is not being able to shower after the games, oh. oh man, it's just brutal. Like going home, and then putting your clothes back oh, on, it's yeah, horrible. Road. It's, it's oh. brutal. You almost need to bring like a fresh change of clothes. And the other thing too, like, so I play on the same team as my brother-in-law. So my sister and my girlfriend usually come watch the games and whatever. So when we get in the car after, they're always freezing cold from having sat in the rink the whole time. And we're always like dripping oh. in sweat and wanting to die. So they want to crank the fucking heat to like max. And me and my brother-in-law, oh. Kelly, are like sitting in the car being like, oh my God, this is the worst. It's basically like a post-game sauna. Out. Yeah. <laughs> That's my nightmare. Yeah. You're just, cause you're just, you're just, because you haven't had a chance to like cool down, have a yeah. shower. And why not? You're not just exfoliating heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just a and even a from room. even from the perspective of the post game beer or two in the room, like sitting there and being sweaty and cracking the beer, it's good. But then you get like halfway done the beer and you're kind of like, okay, like I am gross. I just want to shower. Like not being able to shower at the rink also ruins a little bit of the post game beer experience. Oh, one million percent. Like I'm, I am out of the dressing room in like forty five seconds. Like, yeah. Off the ice in undressed as fast as possible. It's a race to my shower at home. 100%. See, I'm the opposite. I'm a slow undresser because of that. Because I'm not showering, I'm like sitting there with top off, skates still on for like 20 minutes. You're air drying a little bit almost. Big time air drying. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. All right. There's a lot. I had a lace snap this morning. I thought my world was going to come to an end. But I guess, you know what? I play with a bunch of prepared people. I had like nine offers for a backup lace. You should always have the backup set in there. Like whenever you go to the store to buy a set of laces, just buy two. It makes sense. Yeah. I know. Well, I just learned a life lesson. I was on the bench (laughs) and I was like, yellow. I'm like, I'm literally not like figured out life yet. Like just spend the $3, Jay, and have that backup lace. 100%. Um, all right, okay, there is a lot to get to here on episode 221 of the Real Life Podcast because there was a lot of hockey news over the last week. Before we get into that, I should let you know that we are brought to you by Oodle Noodle. 14 locations in Edmonton. I should really just write this down so I remember it every time. I can't remember if it's 13 or 14. 
we are 14, 14. Uh, and we've signed a deal to get number 15 off the ground. So there you go. 14 soon to be 15. And as always, you can order them and uh, pick it up in person. 10% of all in-store proceeds go towards a local charity. I know last time we talked, it was the Bissell Center. Is there a new one this week or with the short week, are we just carrying oh, over Bissell oh, Center? Oh, oh. Uh, well, yeah, so Bissell Center will go until, so we've kind of reformatted how we do things because now that we have uh, a lot on the go and kind of time is uh, kind of been taken away from us, like when in COVID, all we had was time, like peak mm-hmm. lockdown. We've kind of spaced out. So now we, we feature a partner every two weeks. Okay. And that allows us to like, really do a good job to raise some funds also get a good, lot of good content that we shoot with josh and share that for a couple of weeks to really kind of make a big splash so i think it's a win-win for our partners and uh this upcoming charity wow <laughs> it's going to be interesting good a, a little teaser very for a good charity podcast. josh is i'm sure gonna make a video that makes me look it's an stupid. amazing charity and it's gonna be great content all around yeah we uh we yeah this was <laughs> This like normally we shoot a video in like thirty minutes. Like this was like two hours. I think we were legitimately stuff. there for like two hours. Damn. So there's a lot of stuff coming from this, and the uh, Wanya and Bagwell Mean Department is going to have a field day. Love it, love it. All right, off season talk. Let's get to it because it was uh, it was a busy one, and I'm going to try go through this in chronological order a little bit, but free agency opens on Friday. Uh, we were talking about some moves we wouldn't mind on the last podcast, and the first signing that Ken Holland goes ahead and makes... Well, actually, let's go before the first signing. Let's go when we when you woke up on Friday and we heard all the rumors of you know Bob McKenzie reporting the Oilers were preparing a max term offer for Jacob Markstrom, believed to be around $5 million. Uh, Jay, I'll start with you. When you heard that, were you pro-signing Markstrom or were you against it? I was against it. Uh, I was scared. I, uh, I I feel like that one, you know, might have had some upside for two years, but I just, it's so long to lock into a guy like that. He is a talent, but like even, you know, you look at his save percentage, like it's good. It's not yeah. like great. So I feel like we really dodged a bullet there. And obviously Uncle Ken was only going to do it if the, if the money made sense. And I'm learning, uh, it's nice to have a GM with a little bit of patience is what I'm learning. Yeah. And not just like fire sailing or just being reactionary, kind of like pistol teeth. Josh, were you hoping they'd get the Markstrom deal done? I, you see, a part of me was, but part of me wasn't because it's so tough because I feel like goalies in nowadays NHL are undervalued while at the same time being overvalued because you have to have a goalie. Yeah. If you're going to make a deep run in the playoffs, they say that that's the most important position on your team. But at the same time, I agree with Jay, like anything over five years for that guy was just like, it just gave you that gross feeling in your mm-hmm. stomach. Like, okay, five years from now, when we're still in McDavid and dry saddles prime, we're going to be like, Oh crap. Now we're playing a goalie. Like now we have how much money on our payroll yeah. for a goalie. Like this is horrible, but no, nah, yeah. I'm happy. It didn't work out. I was kind of hoping we can talk about this later when we get to him, not getting a goalie, but it, it yeah. Yeah, I'm happy they didn't get Markstrom. I, I get what you mean when you say goalies are like undervalued and overvalued at the same time because you're right. You absolutely need like a stud goaltender to carry you through a playoff run. I shouldn't even say, no, you don't need a stud goaltender. You need a goaltender who's playing like a stud to get you through the postseason, right? Like no one saw what Anton Hudobin did. Like no one saw that coming, right? But you, I, I think that's where having a solid 1A, 1B is super important where you have two guys who have an equal chance of getting hot and carrying you through the playoffs. And you're right. I think signing Markstrom to you know five and a half or if you would have had to do the calgary deal six by six then you're sitting there with ten and a half million dollars tied up 
in your two goaltenders. And it's like, man, that, that, that just wouldn't have sat too well with me. Um, as much as I love Jacob Marks from the goalie, I don't, I'm, I agree with you guys. I'm not sure how well that contract would have aged. I'm sure there are people listening to this, rolling their eyes, being like, oh, you would have loved the deal if they signed it. But I would have been nervous about it if, if Penn hit paper between the Oilers and Markstrom. Ken Holland did make a signing uh, pretty quickly as well. I was surprised at how quickly this deal got done, getting Kyle Turris not just signed, but signed to like a bargain deal, man. Like that's a great contract, 1.65. And I know Turris isn't the best defensively and he fell out of favor real quick in Nashville, but he's a guy who he can still produce points. He had like 30 points last year, I believe in 180 games with the Predators. He had something like 92 points. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of this signing. I think for a team that needs to find depth scoring, this is a really, really solid addition. Uh, what do you guys think of the tourist signing? Oh, I love it. I thought it was an absolute vet move by Ken Holland, bringing in another guy that used to play for Carpat to kind of help Jesse Pugliarvi along the way. So, uh, <laughs> no, but it's, uh, he'll slot easily into that three C yeah. position. The only thing I wonder with this, obviously this is an indication that they're going to move on from Riley Shan. So yeah. who's going to kill, who's going to kill penalties now? Because I heard something on the radio, I don't know who it was, or I read it somewhere that it could be Jujar Kara, but at the same time, Ooh. like, is Jujar Kara going to be a cemented bottom six forward in this lineup every night? Like, don't aren't your penalty killers supposed to be two people that are in the lineup like every night? Like, it was Archibald and Shan. So now who's it going to be? Is Kyle Kara going to kill penalties, or is or is Uncle Ken just kind of slow paying Shan and Shan's trying to see if he can cash in on you know his? He was a good Shan's a great PK. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And so I'm wondering if he's trying to cash in on that. Cause that was one of my, my, my notes for today is just like Shane question mark. Like, are we just moving on from him? Yeah. Are we, are, like, there's a talent there. Off? Like what's happening. Yeah. I don't think we should. I think we should try and get him back. It's tough because they got a lot of guys. Like if they can't really move on from Jujar Kara, he's making you one point two down men. though. You could, you could send him down. Um, that opens up some cap room for, um, Shan. Cause Shan, Shan's like probably trying to get something north of a million bucks. Oh, and he Uncle won't. Ken will, he won't though. Exactly. Uncle Ken may, might be just get him back for eight fifty nine hundred again, mm-hmm. and that's uh, that's an easy that's easy to make room for something like that. Yeah. yeah, I I I agree. Like the penalty killing side of things, unless maybe they had a conversation with Kyle Turris and were like, "Hey, this off season, you're learning how to kill penalties." But I don't. I, that is way easier said than done because yeah, you look at the team right now, and I mean Cassian can maybe kill a little bit. Kara, Archibald, and then you have to use one of Drysaddle or Nugent Hopkins. And I'm not a huge fan of having to rely on those guys to consistently kill penalties. Like, if you need them to do it once in a while, it's fine. But sometimes it's nice to give your stars a break while you're on the PK. I could see a scenario where they bring back Shan, but they also have Gaetan Haas that they already re-signed, right? And I think think they generally like Gaetan Haas, so maybe he's in the lineup a little bit more as well. But the tourist signing was really good. And the other forward signing he made on that day, like, Man, getting Tyler Ennis for a million bucks? Holy shit. That's a that's a value contract and a half. Yeah, well, like I it, just to go back to to tourists really quick, like like of course, it, when your contract is as big as his was and he's, you know, performing at what he at the level he was, which is still at a very proficient NHL rate, it's easy to fall out of favor. Like yeah. now we're getting him we're like this is such a value deal for us. Yeah. And the fact that we got it for two years. And the other thing that we're not, you know, we haven't mentioned is that he's a really good dude. Yeah. So oh, that's a good for room. So like there, you know, there's room value there. Like that, you know, that, that, that adds value to, to the roster. So super happy with that. And yeah, Tyler Innes, like that, that guy is such a, like a Swiss army knife for us that you can move him up and down the lineup. He's, you know, he 
He's a, he's a good NHL hockey player and he plays his role well. And he's got the ability to, he can play with McDavid and keep up with him and take at his level or, well, sorry, no one can take up McDavid's level, but high enough of a level to kind of he can uh, keep up. match up well with, yeah, you can keep up mentally. So yeah, for another steal, like, geez, Uncle Ken. And people are on the outside are being like, oh yeah, the Oilers think they did good, like, but actually they're no different than they were before. And I'm like, you guys are idiots. I love the Ennis trade at the deadline. And yeah, to get him back for another year, that's just, that's making that fourth round pick or whatever it was you spent at the deadline or a fifth round pick, whatever it was. You're making that thing stretch because I agree. Ennis is a guy you can slot him up in the top six, play him in the bottom six. Maybe he becomes a penalty killer as well, but then he can chip in with the offense. Like I look at a third line of Ennis, Turris, and Puglia-Yarvi, and it might not be the best defensive line, but I, I could see that trio scoring some goals for the Oilers. And that's what I think the best thing about Tyler Ennis is, is that like you can move him up and down the lineup. Like he could start on that third line and on a back-to-back scenario, the next day he could be with McDavid. We yeah. don't know. He's just like, he's a versatile veteran where he's not going to have necessarily an ego attached to him where you can just move him up and down the lineup and he'll do whatever you need. So big Ennis guy. Yeah. Huge Ennis fans on the podcast. It's, it's a Tyler Ennis fan club here. Uh, the other signing that they make is Tyson Berry. And I love, like, I also love this deal, 3.75. But you look at Ennis. He's a guy who almost scored 20 goals last year. Oilers get him for a million bucks. Kyle Turris, coming off a 30-point season again, he only played 66 games, was basically half a point through his career in Nashville. That's a guy who you'd think would have some suitors. He signs for $1.65 million. Tyson Berry reportedly had offers around $6 million. He chose to come to Edmonton for 3.75 to sort of boost his numbers next year. The, the point I'm making here is three free agents chose Edmonton and chose to take value contracts to sign in Edmonton. And that is, that is just an awesome thing to see. Well, that's, that's, that, that, that's just like, uh, that's a good signal to let us know that like our roster is worthy to take yeah. that gamble for these guys, right? Like, you know, obviously McDavid drives out, people want to play with them, but like, you know, before you would have to overpay to try to make something like this work, but actually guys, want to come and play and that is a different uh, that puts us in a different place and is going to allow us to make the moves we need to make because our window is now and now these guys and these guys in the in in, in guys around the league are seeing that and are willing to come take a discount like Tyson Berry yeah like we could very well lose him next year because he gets 70 points and signs for nine million somewhere but um and that's that's a risk we have to take and uh but you know the fact that he's willing to come try like I just, it's just a good sign. It's just there's there's, a, there's, there's positive energy yeah. around the Oilers now. Where before players were like, uh, no, that's where I'm gonna go, and like, I'll probably get less money after this. Yeah, um, it, it's sort of it's the McDavid Drysaddle effect that we heard about, but not quite exactly what we were expecting, right? People, it was always like, oh man, stars are gonna want to come to Edmonton to play with these guys, but really, it's not. It's these sort of second tier players who look at Edmonton as a great chance to have good offensive years, right? Like. All of a sudden, Edmonton's an attractive destination for these players who are looking to bounce back and maybe even like turn their careers around a little bit. I think the funniest thing is people saying that Tyson Berry took a gamble here, going on a one-year deal at three seven five. Like this isn't a gamble. This is the easiest scenario for him alive. He's going to come to the Oilers, be the number one power play guy. He's going to quarterback that. He's going to have ninety points, go dash six, and win the heart. And then he's going <laughs> to get a seven-year contract next season and get overpaid. Like this is. This is the easiest scenario for Tyson Berry ever, but I'm happy to have him. I don't know. Yeah, and like from his perspective, you're right. It's It really must have been an easy decision because the other suitors were reportedly Calgary, who was out of it once they signed Tanev, but it came down to Vancouver, Edmonton, and Colorado. 
okay, well, you're going to go to Vancouver and have to play behind Quinn Hughes and get no power play time. Go to Colorado where you're playing behind Kale McCarr and Sam Girard getting no power play time. Or come to Edmonton when really there's no competition for that power play line. Like they are giving you the, the spot, the quarterback spot on the best power play, not just in the NHL, but the best power play in the NHL or one of the best power plays in the NHL in like the last 40, se- 40 seasons. Literally 40 years. Yeah. yeah. It's an absolute no-brainer from Tyson oh, Berry's perspective. I thought and you could, you could argue that he, he's a better power play quarterback than Clefbaugh. You oh, could. And the other thing this is going to do here, he's a right shot. And that was always the thing with the Oilers is they roll out this power play that has five left shots on it. And now when you look at Barry being a right shot guy, all of a sudden when McDavid's on that half wall where he always is, there's now a one-timer spot for McDavid to go to, right? He can feed yeah. Barry's, Barry for one-timers. If you remember back to last year, the only time the Oilers ever had like a big booming shot from the point was when they would do that Nugent Hopkins drop pass to Clefbaum because that was the only way for them to set up a one-timer at any point was when they were dropping it back to Oscar Clefbaum on that side. So now that Barry shoots right, it completely changes the dynamic of their power play. It sounds weird to say, but their power play might get better next season. Ooh. Oh, careful. <laughs> yeah, careful. That takes hot. But it could, man. Like, I don't know. It sucks that Clefbaum's done for the year, but like that year when... Re- when Is that uh, confirmed? Are they going to put him on the LTIR and free up some space or what? I, I I don't think it's confirmed that he's out for the year, but I think it's definitely going that way. Like, I... I could Well what do you do with the space then? So like, we need to make the decision fast. Well, I, I thought we were gonna the of... LTIR and then trade Chase on and then get Taylor Hall on a, <laughs> a four million dollar bet on yourself deal. What the heck? Well obviously uh, not anymore. We'll get to Halsey in a second, but so I was uh, texting a little bit with Hart who runs Puckpedia because LTIR confuses the fuck out of me. Like it straight up makes no sense. And basically what he said, and I really hope I'm understanding this correctly, is for the Oilers to maximize Clefbaum's long-term injured reserve space, they need to be like right at the salary cap to start the season. Like if they want to get the full $4.1 million in space, they need to be like right, right at the cap. And then they can put them on LTIR and they'll maximize that space for the entire season. Or the other option, and this only ha- or this only works if they're certain he's going to be out for the year, is they can spend and be exactly 4.175 over the cap and put them on LTIR before the season starts. Because then that would allow them to come back and be just barely cap compliant when the season starts and then go from there. But then if you do, if you go that way, you can't have Clefbaum come back at all because then you're going to have to go over the cap to activate him off LTIR. So I think that's how I understand it from DMing with Hart. I believe that's what they need to do. Yeah, it's, it's a dark art. It's so, confusing. But what does that mean? So we can we can sign someone right now if we wanted to. Well, and the Oilers are going to have to go over a little bit because they still need to sign Ethan Bear. He doesn't have a contract, and they only have 730K in cap space. So Ken Holland so, can't really be done here unless he plans on going over by, yeah, $4 yeah, million and losing Clefbaum for the year. So what's the mission with Bear here? Two times 1.5. Oh. So that's, I feel like that would be ideal. He's got to go on a bridge deal. Like they're not yeah. going to send him to a one-year contract and there's no way that they should give him three or four years. I know Jay, we've talked about this. You wish that we could sign him for like an $8 million or eight, eight year, $3 million contract and just tie him up for the next eight years. But I feel like it'll just be a two-year bridge deal. Yeah. I don't think we have a choice. That's, that's a, it's very unfortunate, but if you get him for two and one and a half, that's still open up some cap room now mm-hmm. do you do you want to bank like if so if clef bombs del do you want to bank that for trade deadline and just say okay 
the roster we have is good enough to put us to get us in a playoff spot, and then we've got some buffer to to load up to get you know some kind of gun of some yeah. variety that we need to address whatever concerns we have. I think that's the play. I think you, I I don't think yeah. you spend over in the off season. I think you leave that as wiggle room because cap space is really important come the deadline, and that way it also leaves the opportunity for Clefbaum to come back, which is certainly possible, but. They have 735k in cap space right now. You would have to free up, you know, a million bucks still, really, to get Ethan Bear signed. So I don't know where that money's going to come from, unless they still have a chase on deal in their back pocket that they think they could get done, because that probably makes the most sense. But yeah, maybe, maybe that's what it is. You move Chase on for a pick. The guy that replaces him on the roster is a million bucks. You free up 1.1 million. That gives you 1.8 in cap space, which is probably just enough to sign Ethan Bear. You get Ethan Bear done on a short-term bridge deal. You're right at the cap. Clefbaum on LTIR gives you $4.1 million in wiggle room to start the season. That Now that well, I say like, it out loud, that makes a ton of sense. Well, I yeah. think like having $4 million in cap space at the trade line is like having like $9 million in yeah. cap space. So, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I was absolutely sure that one of Larson or Russell was going to get shipped out here. I was absolutely sure. I'm, I'm shocked it didn't happen. And you know what? I wanted Russell out because his contract was bad. But if you go back to that play-in series, there is an argument to be made. He was their best D-man, right? So you can see why... You want that guy in the playoffs. Yeah. You you, you need that guy in the playoffs. So so. if Clefbaum was healthy, I think it's a totally different story with Chris Russell. Yeah, I agree. once you learn that Clefbaum's going to be out, like I can see the scenario of Dave Tippett meeting with Ken Holland in the Oilers brass and going, you can't trade this fucking guy because I need him. I need that yeah. veteran on the left side to eat solid minutes. Um, so I, I understand why both Russell and Larson are back because you want the veterans there. Um, yeah, it, I'm. if you would have told me two months ago that Russell's going to be here to start next season, I wouldn't have believed you. But with the Clefbaum news, like it just changed everything. Yeah, that changed everything. When Clefbaum went down, that changed everything. But I have a question. How often do goalies get traded at the deadline? Like That's like super Ooh. rare, hey? Like yeah. That never happens. Yeah, it is yeah. super rare. But maybe that's Super what rare. they're maybe that's what they're plotting for is some goalie yeah, to be available next year at the deadline. They're banking on Kemper at the deadline. Well, Arizona's got to move one before the season starts. Like that's what confused me too. And I guess now's a good time to get into the Mike Smith thing because everyone is on, everyone's up in the clouds. They're so stoked about Tyson Berry signing, and then right after that, Ken just slides in the oh, we're bringing back Mike Smith for another year, which I'm not a fan of at all. I think it's it was a massive no. risk when he was 38. And it's a massive risk now that he's a year older. And at one and a half million, like if it would have been for a million bucks with no bonuses, I would have been like, all right, they're clearly doing this to save money. But they still gave him like market value. And I didn't think Mike Smith was going to be in the league next year. I didn't think another team was even going to give him a chance. And we talked about, you know, liking that the Oilers have a patient GM. Well, I mean, look around the league. Like Arizona has three goalies on one-way contracts that are all NHL quality. So one of those guys has to go somewhere. Aaron Dell is still on the market, although I'm not a big Aaron Dell fan. But I thought Ken would try to wait out the trade market a little bit more before giving Mike Smith money on day two of free agency. It didn't make sense to me. I, I couldn't believe it. When I, when I saw that tweet, I thought it was coming from a fake account. I'm like, there's no way, no way that Mike Smith just got $2 million or one five or whatever he got. I just... It, it was such a bad situation where everyone was so fired up about Ken Holland. Like he's he's the king. He's had the best off season in Edmonton Oilers history, and now he just signed forty five year old Mike Smith <laughs> to a two year deal. It's a joke or whatever it is. Is it two years or one year? One year. One year. One year, one year deal for it could be worth one two five. million. Yeah. 
It's one and yeah, a half I with five and bonuses. So obviously, Uncle Ken had some goalies he tried to get, and it didn't work out. So he went with the old devil you know situation. So where I'm upset with the trade is just at the money. Like, let's go back to the season. Like, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to play the positivity, drink the Kool Aid guy that I always am. Um, Mike Smith did some great things in the regular season for us. Yes, he had a was it December? He was horrific. November, like, December, he was fucking. November, awful. and then and then 2020. He sh- and, and, but beginning of 2020, he showed up for us. Yeah, and then yeah, his first game of the playoffs. So like he's a one B, right? So I just I just don't like the money. I like that. It's like there, there there must be something we don't know um, about. Like maybe how he pushes guys or something in the room or something. He might play a a pivotal role on yeah. that side and might and yeah. maybe he's helped. Maybe he's helped Miko Costin because like. Here's the other thing we need to start realizing. Miko Koskinen is not a bad goalie. No, we he's need not. to stop shitting on him because Jacob Markstrom just signed a six by six with a point or okay, a nine one eight save percentage. Yeah, Miko Koskinen nine one seven, and he was so, consistent this last year too. Like, so maybe yeah. the Oilers are just banking on Miko Koskinen playing 55 games again like he did in 2018-19. Granted, when he played 55 games, that's when his numbers started to slip. But I think a lot of people took their first impression of Koskinen, which was his glove hand was terrible and he was inconsistent and he he wasn't great when he had to play a lot. They took that and they refused to move off it. Because you're right, this last season, 38 games played, he likely would have been up at the 45 games played mark had the season regular season concluded or he would have gotten close to it. And a 275 yeah. goals against average and a 917 save percentage, you're right, Jay. That is that is absolutely nothing to scoff at. No. And I don't so even think that... Sorry, go ahead, Jay. No, no, go go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, I wouldn't even look at this situation anymore as Mike Smith being a 1B. Like, Miko Koskinen is, is your one. He's your one right now. And I think that's the way they need to approach this season because Mike Smith is not a starter. I wouldn't even call him a 1B. And I think that they just got to ride that guy and hope it works out. And then uh, he sucks and trade for Darcy Kemper at the deadline when Arizona is last in the division. Easy. We'll have the cap space. Yeah, they'll have they'll have the money to do it. Um, super interesting. I I think all Oilers fans would kind of agree that if you throw the Yesapoyarv deal in there, Ken Holland hit four home runs and then just made the one sort of meh move with Mike Smith. But I think all in all. And I guess we can go around and give our sort of grades for it now. Like I'm giving Ken Holland an A minus, I think, for his moves. Yep. Like he he went out and remember that year they lost Sekera right before the season started, and they didn't replace him. And it was kind of like their their blue line was screwed from the start because they never replaced Sekera. Okay, well Uncle Ken went out and he replaced Oscar Kleffbaum. He went out and checked that box. They wanted a third line center who could score. He checked that box. You wanted another a left winger. He went out and he checked that box. The goaltending he didn't get, but I mean. Four out of five. That that that's good for me. Yeah, it's it's an A plus if he signs Mike Smith for a million bucks. You know, yeah. like it's 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 because like obviously he wasn't going to give the farm away to make to to pay the price on some of the goalies that that were available. Um, and I'm fine with that because we are still you know in a weird cap situation. So yeah, like I said, devil you know. Obviously, there's there's a lot of trust with Mike Smith. So like. I think I think Uncle Ken has. I think we can give him our trust here for a little bit, and just kind of be like, you know what, he made the best decision given the circumstances, and we have to be okay with that because look at all the other shit he did. Yeah. 
So like he didn't sign Mike Smith to a two year deal. Like that yeah. would have been crazy. Um, so I think like I think there's you know there's there, there's there's something there. He, he was able to coax Puliarvi to come back, who I'm super excited to see. And now he doesn't have Milan Lucic on his line to like drag him down. He's got people. He could be playing got those offensive minded guys that can help make him better and help him kind of get a goal early and kind of keep his confidence up because like the guy's confidence right now is max and we don't want to like just torpedo that by mm. just you know putting him in a shitty situation here like we're giving him some tools to work with and we'll protect him by putting on on the third line and who knows man maybe he's 97 shooter by the end of the year and if that's the case whoa 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 yeah that'd be big time game changing if he finds a way to work himself into the top six like you got, and I know some people are down on Puliyarvi, and I I can understand why. But oh, yeah. remember a year ago, man, no one thought of Kyler Yamamoto as a legit top six winger, right? No one thought that was coming anytime soon, and he just burst onto the scene, man. Like the thing with prospects is they never develop, and or they rarely develop in a straight line. It's rarely just you start here and you gradually grow up, and bang, you reach your potential. Like there's peaks and valleys in this thing, and that was the case with Yamamoto. And maybe the case it's that's the case with Puljujarvi. He had his dip here. He went back to Finland, and you don't know how quickly that line's just going to shoot right back up. I mean, there's a chance it might not shoot back up, and this is going to you know flail out, and they're going to trade him for a pick at the deadline or whatever. But man, if this like he's no one's going to deny he doesn't like he has the potential to be a top six winger. Maybe this is the year he hits that. It's good to be optimistic. It's nice you to know, have an Oilers offseason that lets you sit there and go, all right, there's like a reason to be excited for the puck to drop. 100%. And, and like, exactly. Like, we're, we're a, like I said, people on the outside are saying we're not much different. I think we're a lot different. We've addressed some serious issues. So I'm, I'm, you know, trust me, and Connor's going to be starting this season mad AF. Oh, so yeah. like, <laughs> that's like determined. So, and he's just, gonna, so he's going to be shot out of a cannon. Leon's going to have no choice but to keep up with that because obviously there's some healthy competition between those two. Um, and we're giving them more tools to work with. Like, yeah. Ugh, yeah, like place your bets now, boys, because the odds are going to, this is going to be the best they're going to be all year. It's uh, it's long from the days of being like, all right, is Ty Ratty going to work out as 97 shooter? <laughs> we're a long ways from that. Remember yeah, when you said... Would- so when we used to throw the answer tag around when yeah. Alex Chason was the answer and then Ty Ratty was the answer and then who Everyone else has been the answer over the years? Everyone was the answer at some point. Pat Maroon was, was the answer. answer for a little bit. Yeah, yeah Pat Maroon was the answer. Yeah, well, like, yeah. I think we, 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 we signed, well, Turris could be the answer. Ines could be the answer. Pulis could, could be the answer. answer. Party. Barry could pool, be the answer. Pool party is the answer. He's going to have over under 51 and a half points. Oh, un- I'll take the under all day, but I mean, if he's in the 40-point no, range. Oh, Tyler. If he's in, man. Optimistic. If he, he gets 50 points, I'm doing cartwheels. Yeah, like, like that's like, fucked. I, that is, I'm, I'm taking I that over. I want to bet the over, but like 50 points is a lot. I would say, one like, and a half. if I was actually setting the the line on this for Puyi I would say 31 and a half points would be the over. I'll take the over on that. Oh, I'll I'm take pounding the over. The over. Like 15 goals that he says. He's, he's going to start as a third-line winger. Like, that's going to be the, uh, the starting point for me or so. And I and people keep being like, oh, you got to give him power play time. But I don't think he's – nothing's going to change with the power play. I still think your top unit's just going to be playing yeah, a minute who, 45. Who's he going to move? Yeah. Who are you going to push on? out of the power put him in, play? Put him in front of the net. 
Uh, I see. Once he gets stronger, once he gets stronger, maybe you could put him in front of the net. Um, And he scores some goals from like right in front of the crease too. Like I'm thinking back through through goals I've seen JP score, and like that could be a spot for him later down the line. But I still think for now it's probably James Neal's spot in front of the net. Or if they don't trade Chase on, that's Chase on spot. But well, uh, a lot of the goals he scored at Carpat were. I was watching some of his highlights the other day. And a lot of those goals that he scored, especially on the power play, was kind of in that bumper spot that was similar to dry saddle. Okay. Like when he would when he would drop down to the bottom of the low circle, and then that pass would come from below the goal line up top, and he would just fire it on net without even looking. That's how he would score like half of his goals. Obviously, he's not going to take dry saddle spot, but if they could find a way to put him in front and then get a little rotation going, I don't know, not about power play units, but I think that that could be something that could work in the future. Well, I don't know, well, thirty one and a half. Ooh. We actually might have enough talent to have a second power play unit this year too. Oh, they totally do, man. Like when you look he at, has to be on it. <laughs> when you when you look at splitting that up, like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, people forget this. Before the days of McDavid and Drysaddle, he was a damn good power play producer. Like he could run a power play from the half wall himself. So if you actually wanted to look at splitting up and having a first unit and a second unit, the one unit could have McDavid, Drysaddle, Tyson Berry, you throw Neil in front. And you could even have either JP or Yamamoto as that fourth forward. And then the second yeah. unit could have Nugent Hopkins, whichever one of JP and Yamamoto aren't playing on there. You could have Tyler Ennis, Kyle Turris, and Ethan Bear on the blue line. A guy like Archibald in front, yeah. But like they yeah. have enough talent to make two power play units. I just think when they load up that one unit, it's so damn good that you don't want to fuck with it, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. very true. I don't, I'm so high on pool party right now. Like I am... I'm You're on the hype train. all the way. Oh, hey, oh, yeah. Shout out for the video you made. Unreal. <laughs> oh, that, <laughs> that was a pool good. party video? That pool party video was yeah. unreal. That was great. Uh, all right. Ken Holland did some great shopping in free agency. He got some great deals, and you can go get some great deals as well by visiting our friends at twigandberries.ca. Use the promo code NATION15, and you can get 15% off your order. Twig and Berries. Local company, essentials for the modern day caveman. No judgment, no shaming, no fancy words, just real men. You can also check them out on Instagram, Twig and Berries CA. They're on Twitter as well, but uh, on the Instagram, that's where they're flexing their products there. That's where they show off a little bit. And let me tell you, that stuff looks good and it feels good as well. Check them out, twigandberries.ca. Don't forget promo code NATION15. Uh, I, I want to pivot a little bit and go talk about some other moves that were made around the NHL. And I'll start with this one because it's the most recent. Taylor Hall signing in Buffalo. I did not, like, no one saw that coming, obviously. The reason I'm upset with this contract is because I was super sick of having to listen to Taylor Hall to Edmonton talk. And all this does is it reignites it. It renews it. We now have another year of, oh, he's going to be available at the deadline. Maybe if the Oilers use Clefbaum's LTIR space. Get Taylor Hall at 50% retained. It's possible. And then in the in the offseason, it'll be like, oh, Hall took a one-year deal, but now he's going to want to, you know, come to a contender and the Oilers have more cap space. It's just, oh, I don't want to talk about Taylor Hall to Edmonton anymore. And this signing is just like, fuck, we got to talk more Taylor Hall to Edmonton. Tyler, I'm with you. I, I don't need to talk about Taylor Hall ever again. He's, like, he's no longer an Edmonton Oiler, and I'm happy with that. And let's just, like, put it to bed. Like, it's clear that, you know, every team he goes to, he gets a lot of points, but his teams don't get a lot of points. So let's just leave it at that and move on and try and sign a better free agent when we can. A winner. Josh? But 
Having said that, I understand why he went to Buffalo. Uh, really? Because they offered him the most money. Well, for two reasons. He, they offered him the most money, um, but it gives him a shot, just like Tyson Berry, to light it up. And with the restrictions on his contract, he can pick and choose who he goes to at uh, at the trade line should Buffalo not be making a playoff push. And you know what? They very well might be. But um, if they're not and they're able to – so here's the thing. They sign Taylor Hall, they make the playoffs. That's a win for Buffalo. If they're not making the playoffs and they trade Taylor Hall at the deadline, they're probably going to get some good assets in return for that trade. So I can see why Buffalo would do it, and I can see why Taylor Hall would do it. So he's going to play on a line with Jack Eichel. He's going to light it up, and he's going to be able to either name his price on his next contract or actually go to the contender he wants in a playoff push because you know there's only 25% of the season left, so he's only a $2 million cap hit. Plus, they can get Buffalo to retain some to really kind of fit whatever roster he's going to. So, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, he's, he's going to go to Club Med for the first two, uh, three quarters of the season and just kind of like have some fun, put up some points, and then, you know, rest up, relax, and then get serious for the last two two months for the playoff push or for the deep run that whatever team he goes to. So I understand it, but you're right. I don't want to talk about him coming to Edmonton as one of the studers when it comes to the traded line. Josh? Uh, I have no comment. <laughs> Are you a bigger Taylor Hall guy than Jay, clearly? Oh, yeah. I'm a big Taylor Hall guy. I wanted Hall coming back to Edmonton. You guys, I'm in the complete opposite mindset that you guys are i want taylor hall and edmonton i just think that i I just think it would be such a different situation as to what it was over the last few years for him and the different markets that he went to he's obviously his time in edmonton didn't pan out the way he wanted the way we wanted but i think the difference with him is he's the kind of guy that if he's first fiddle on any team he goes to it's just not going to work out his personality doesn't match it if he goes to a locker room that's young like like look at that oilers team that he played on Look at the guys that were running the room. It was Justin well, it was Schultz, him. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, yeah. Jordan Everly, and him. Of course, that's not going to work out, right? That's it's like obviously they're going to spend every single waking night in Edmonton at Cactus Club on Jasper Avenue. <laughs> it just didn't work out. So I I think that if he did eventually come back to Edmonton, this is all I'll say. If he did eventually come back to Edmonton, I think he would have to realize that he is not the king anymore. He's going to sit on either that first line with McDavid or that second line with Drysaddle and just put up points, and that's his only job. And he's not going to get to run the locker room because they have the best player in the world now. But obviously, I don't think it's a fit anymore. But I honestly, I don't think that Buffalo's going to trade him at the deadline. I think Buffalo's going to be in an okay spot. And I'm honestly surprised that I don't know what really the history is with getting no trade clauses on one-year deals. But I, I feel like if I was him, I almost would have wanted one, not for the fact that he thinks that he's going to have a good year and they're going to have a shot to win in Buffalo. But this is exactly the same as the Tyson Berry situation where he got to pick, he got to look through 31 NHL rosters for the most part and say, okay, which center do I want to play with? And where am I going to put up the most points? And where am I going to have an opportunity to cash in long-term one year from now? So he looked at Buffalo and he's like, okay, Jack Eichel, he has history with Ralph Kruger in Edmonton, Ralph Kruger, the kind of coach that fits his playing style. So he has an opportunity to go there not have any pressure to win a Stanley Cup in one year because that's definitely not the expectation for Buffalo. If they make the playoffs, it's a good added bonus, but he doesn't have expectations to win. He can go sit on that first line with Jack Eichel, play on the power play, put up 90 points, and then cash in one year from now with the Oilers. It's easy. <laughs> but we will, uh, Well, I don't know if we'll afford him. No. We'll be able to afford him. The and one thing, though, I wouldn't be opposed to, I wouldn't in, in a bring Taylor back home situation, is if we are going on a run and bringing him back to the traded line because – We've got more than enough room to do that, plus another piece. Um, like, 
as long as he's ready for it. Yeah. In the, in the yeah. Of like, I, I, I just don't he, see them trading him. But I if they're, they're not going to make the playoffs, yeah. they would. Because the, the trade yeah. market will be so high for him. Yeah. Like I yeah, tweeted I last know. night, he's already number one on the TSN trade deadline. Trade that was a great tweet. Great tweet, <laughs> um, Tyler. I saw that 18 minutes in. It was already popping off. I'm like, out of place. I think I replied with quality take. Yeah, yeah, you, you did. did, Jay. I remember that. Thank um, you. My, like, for me with Hall, I'm kind of right in the middle ground with all this. Like, I don't buy the whole like he, every team he goes to sucks because of him kind of thing. I just think he's been on some no, bad teams. And, like, hockey-wise, man, it would just be a fucking dynamite fit here in Edmonton. To get a high-end winger like that in their top six, I would love it. It's just not realistic, and I just don't... It drives me nuts when people don't see that it's not realistic at certain points. Like, this past year at the deadline, when everyone's like, oh, pick up Taylor Hall, but it's okay. They, they have bigger needs than picking up Taylor Hall, and also... You don't want to be giving up first-round picks and prospects and all this stuff to get Taylor Hall, but there's just so many fans that want to like bend over backwards just to get Taylor back on the team because he's their favorite player. And it's like, listen, I like the guy. I like him as a fit in their top six and all that, but they're not in a position to go out and get another $8 million-plus winger to put on this team. Like, And especially if it's going to cost them Ryan Nugent Hopkins in a year. Like, I, I understand why you might look at this from a hockey perspective and go, yeah, I want Taylor Hall here, but it's just not realistic. And a year from now, when they need to sign Ryan Nugent Hopkins to another deal, Kyler Yamamoto is going to need a deal as well. you got to keep Ethan Bear's next contract in mind. You're probably going to need another goaltender next year. Like when all that's coming up and the cap is still flat, like next season, I still don't see how you can be like, well, let's go give Taylor Hall that eight by eight deal he wants. Like, I just don't want to spend another year having to explain why Taylor Hall coming back to Edmonton isn't realistic because it drives me nuts. Like, yes, it'd be great, but it's it'd be great if someone drove up to my front door right now and gave me $100,000, right? Like, it's just yeah. not going to happen. That's kind of my beef just, with the whole thing. Where's the money coming from? That's At the end yeah. of the day, where's the money right. coming from that you're going to give Taylor Hall? If this is the MLB and you could just get fined yeah. for every dollar, you're over the tax or yeah. you're over the cap, then amazing. Let's get Taylor Hall. But it's just where's the money coming from? It's yeah. not realistic. Um, something else that Oilers fans are definitely going to want to keep an eye on is the Alex Petrangelo. I'm not even going to call them sweepstakes anymore. It's mm-hmm. Alex Petrangelo waiting to see if Vegas can move the cap space to sign him. Uh, the way that played out with him in the blues, first off, the blues are just fucking stupid for botching. That. Like, Oh, that was hilarious. When uh, signing Tory Krug with money you could have used on Petrangelo is whatever, because at that point, I think the Blues felt Petro was gone. They needed to replace him. Sure, you go get Krug. But it's the moves they made leading up to that, giving Justin Falk $6.5 million before taking care of your captain. And also, also, giving third-pairing defenseman Marco Scandella term and $3.275 million a season. He's 30 years old, and they gave him a four-year deal worth $3.2 million before they took care of Petrangelo. And I know they thought the cap was going up, similar to the Oilers with Athanasiu. They thought the cap was going up. It ended up not going up. And, like, oh, they just, they fucked it up, man. They spent, like, $10 million on two defensemen who weren't their captain. And that's a mistake. The the best thing is, is that Tory Krug, did you see that quote after he signed with the Blues? And they were like, oh, when did the Blues come on the table? He's like, ah, this morning. Yeah. Like he he had no idea he was going to even have a look at going to the Blues and then they totally messed it up. So good for the Blues. Yeah, I just them botching that and not being able to sign Petrangelo was a huge mistake. And the other thing here, 
Uh, Frank Saravalli just had a tweet while we were recording, and he said, fair to say the core of the Golden Knights is unnerved as the Petrangelo watch hits day four. They saw Stastny shipped out, shipped out, and they've all heard their names in trade talks. Fleury, Schmidt, Smith, Pacioretty, Martinez, and Marcia so as they now wait for the other shoe to drop. This feels like it might be a move that just really sort of messes with a locker room. Because that team yeah, is tight, man. That was a good yeah. core. And now you're sitting there and you're so obsessed with bringing in Petrangelo that I, I, I'm worried, or I'm not worried. Fuck, they can mess up all they want. The Golden Knights have seen nothing but success since they joined the league. But if I was a Golden Knights fan, I'd be a little scared that this move here and moving out all this money to make Petrangelo work might actually fuck with your chemistry a little bit. 100%. You're like, you're talking about like, like I, I believe like Stan Stasi, great hockey player. I'm, I'm assuming he's liked by his teammates. You know Nate Schmidt is. Yeah. They love him. And like, the guy's an animal. Well being. I know. Like, you're trying to move like key pieces of your roster to make this work. Like, you're right. It actually could be a giant step back. And it's creating so much distraction and so much uncertainty and so much doubt in your, in your players. Like, all of a sudden, like, now, man, like, you think, well, wow, management doesn't believe in me. Like, that can have such a big impact. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I, I hope it sinks the Golden Knights. The Golden Knights don't deserve the success that they've had. <laughs> they have to have a decade of darkness, for Christ's sake. Yeah. They do. They 100%. Like, I, I am all on board. It was a nice story the first year. The second year, it ended bad, and, you know, their fans got all mad. But it was like, man, you guys have been here for two years, and you don't know pain. You really do not know pain. So for the Golden yeah. Knights to have a little bit of pain coming forward here, and also they're in the Oilers division, so of course we wouldn't mind seeing it. Um, but yeah, yeah, this Petrangelo move just feels weird. Like it just feels like something not great is going to come from it in Vegas. Where else can he go? Where the heck is Mark Andre Fleury going to go? They got to clear up that space first. Yeah, um, I'm on Puckpedia right now, looking at uh, who has cap space, and right now the Vegas Golden Knights have 1.8 million dollars in cap space with 21 players on their roster. So if they want to get it, right? if they want to get Petrangelo, they're going to have to clear up at least 6 million dollars you'd think if he's going to sign for like 7.8 there. Uh, other teams who have money, the Canucks have 9.9 million dollars in cap space but they have players they need to take care of. They only have 18 yeah, guys on that roster. Yeah, they have to sign a couple guys. Yeah, that that's not going to work. The LA Kings have 12 million dollars, but I don't think Petrangelo is going to go sign with a rebuilding team, although that blue line with doubting Petrangelo would be actually fairly entertaining. Uh, the Predators went and cleared up a ton of cap space, but they don't need D men. They need oh, yeah. they need scoring, right? Yeah. So I thought I thought like like that's where I'm like, Hall, oh, why did you go to Nashville? Why yeah. would you go to Nashville or like Columbus? Like, but yeah. once again, I get it. Like, what center is he going to play with? Yeah. yeah. I, unless like, Petrangelo, doing it. like the the Rangers have a ton of cap space, but again, they they have some bonuses that are going to come through that are going to eat into that. And also, they don't need a big right-shot defenseman on a long-term deal that's going to handcuff them. So that doesn't make sense. He's not going to the Senators. The Senators have like $30 million in cap space. The Panthers still have some money, but there's rumors they might take Nate Schmidt so Vegas can sign Petrangelo, which again, teams just helping out Vegas drives me nuts. Some team is going to help out Vegas. You've got to make, so that's the thing. They're going to make Vegas pay. Like it is, what do you it, mean, is, no secret, it is no secret that Vegas wants to sign Petrolangelo. So anything, any roster move they need to make to accommodate this, that team is going to make them pay. They yeah, better. Vegas, if they if don't, Vegas if they make it easy, shame on you. Like if Vegas Florida gives them a draft pick for like a first rounder for Nate Schmidt and pays market value, that's a huge mistake. You're right. Oh my God. Yeah. Like third rounder. Yeah. Make them pay. 
you know, Vegas is just begging someone to take some contracts off them. Maybe, uh, maybe we should start talking about maybe the Buffalo Sabers going after Petrangelo. He's an Ontario Do they guy. Have room? I was actually thinking yeah. that, like, because you so, know what? I, I was looking at the, the like the forwards for the Sabers. I'm like, that's not a bad lineup. They need to is sign Buffalo back. They need to sign Olafson and Reinhardt, which is going to eat up a ton of their 13 million dollars. But like. If they could find some team to take Ocposo, which is a huge ask, because Ocposo's making $6 million for the next three seasons and as a modified no-trade clause. So if you could move him, or maybe they just ship out Risk to Linen, and that gives them enough money to go get Petrangelo. But I don't know, maybe Buffalo They've just wants to fucking space. load it up. I would, I, you know what? Yeah. If I was Buffalo, I would trade Reinhardt. Like, Buffalo's having, back, man. Having Eakin, like, that was a good signing. I like Cody Gow. I love yeah. him in an Oilers uniform. Yeah, yeah, they they don't look too bad. Like like it's actually kind of shocking. Like you sign Olison, trade Reinhardt, and maybe you package Reinhardt up. Well, no, you're not going to package Reinhardt, but Oposo or whatever. Um, they're just they're slow playing this man. All of a sudden, Buffalo's going to come out of nowhere, and then Frank Cervelli's going to have him number one on their most likely to win the cup list, and then they're not going to make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Just like you did with the Oilers. Um, yeah, the the Petrangelo thing. Like if. And you know what? What was interesting? We're talking about teams helping other teams. No one was fucking willing to help Tampa Bay, man. Like, they threw Tyler Johnson. <laughs> How does no one want Tyler Johnson for free? Like, the dude was free. But he it's cost a contract. Him- I know, but like... Yeah, it's a big contract. Five million bucks, though. Only- he's a good He's a good player. Like, I just... I looked around, man, and I was like, Detroit, why would you not take Tyler Johnson? Ottawa, why would you not take Tyler Johnson? Like... Even the team like Colorado right now, who has like nine point nine million in cap space, fucking go get the guy. He's a proven Stanley Cup performer. I don't know. I couldn't believe that. I mean, I'm happy about it because I hate when teams help out other teams in cap hell. But no one's willing to help Tampa Bay right now. I think it's funny. Yeah, I thought the Oilers were going to get helped out a little bit by the Senators for them trying to reach the floor. I thought the Senators might take a couple contracts off us to to get us up or to get them to the floor, but obviously didn't happen. Yeah, and the the other thing too, like uh, when I saw Good Branson go to Ottawa, I was like, oh man, that's kind of like the exact move we were expecting them to make with Chris Russell. I think Russell's no trade clause probably uh, messed with them a little bit there. Um, yeah. yeah, there's no shortage of interesting things that are still going to be happening though. I know uh, I saw some tweet the other day that was like, oh, Ken Holland says he's likely done. I don't think he's done at all. I no. think there's probably still a contract no. he wants to move if out. The right here. deals there. Yeah, um, and around the league, like you're never done. <laughs> Tampa, oh. Tampa Bay's got to get something here or else one of their RFAs is going to get offer sheeted. Uh, Vegas clearly needs to make something work here. There's uh, there's still going to be a lot going on here over the winter months. I keep wanting to say, like, it's going to be an interesting summer because you're so wired to think that when you're thinking off-season, but you need to remember to just say off-season and not summer. Um, but it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Uh, what, quickly, what do you guys think of what the Flames kind of did there? Um, again, I'm surprised they haven't traded Johnny Goudreau. I thought that move was going to happen at some That's point. That's happening. That's uh, going to be happening. Yeah, it's got to happen. Uh, but they went I out. I can't they believe gave, they signed out. I can't believe they signed Markstrom for that. Like this is they gave ten been, and like, a half million dollars trade discussion going. They ten and a half million dollars to Markstrom and Tanev, and yeah, now you're right. They're tight to the cap. Yeah, like like I. I I can't believe they signed Tana for that. Like, I like Tana, but like, ugh. and they gave him term. Yeah, four, four years, four and a half million bucks. I like yeah, how they, they still just... need another defenseman. <laughs> like, they've got. Uh, I, I, I think you pronounce it like Shillington. Shillington, yeah. but it's Killington. Yeah, like they got to like he he he's up. Yeah, up, and you know, Magic Pony pissed because last year they didn't. Um, 
did they not QO him or something? There was sorry. He held like out and he yeah. didn't get like, yeah, he got less or the same of his, as his QO. And like, you know, he's an asset. I think, they're, I think they're going to have to move something. Yeah. And it's all, all road plea to Goudreau. Johnny Goudreau. Hey, where's he going, Tyler? Johnny Goudreau. They're back. Where's he going? I, I think he, I always think he's wanted to go back to the East coast a little bit there. Um, he's going to Buffalo. Exactly. He's going to Buffalo. <laughs> Everyone is going to Buffalo. Uh, yeah, Buffalo is on the watch right now. I, I I think the Flyers, and you know what, the Flyers might even be a dark horse team to to swoop in and grab Petrangelo if no one else is uh, acting quick enough. But I could see, you know, maybe there's a Goudreau deal with the Flyers well, there. But I think that's a move that would have happened already if it was going to happen. That Niskanen retirement was huge. Oh fuck! Gave them so much money. Now they have eight point six million dollars in cap space. I'm looking to see if they still have to sign anyone. They have to sign Philippe Myers on the blue line, which is not going to cost them very much. So they basically like, have what, what eight is million Petro dollars. What are looking for? Is he looking for ten or is he looking for like eight in term? I think he's looking for eight in term, which is surprising because I think the Blues offered him like seven and a half in term, but I think the structure was an issue there. Um, I I think the Flyers might still be in a position here to make a, a fairly significant move throughout the rest of the offseason because just like we talked about like the pressure on the Oilers to win or how they maybe messed up by not pushing harder to win while Drysaddle and McDavid were in their ELCs. I think Philly should be looking at this last season of Carter Hart and his entry-level deal and being like, fuck, we should try to put a very good blue line in front of this guy and try to win this year because they have a stud number one goalie making like $700,000. Yeah. Do you he's think insane. he's going to get a long-term deal in his first contract oh, or is yeah. he going to get a break? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're silly to not just Carey give him an eight-year deal. 2. Yeah. He's getting ten by ten. Uh, see that's or, the uh, you can't go ten by ten, or else Buffalo can offer sheet him. <laughs> <laughs> this is a it's like that's why like you, that's why I'm glad the Oilers didn't draft Askarov. Like having that like like premier goalie, knowing they have to pay him ten million bucks, like that is a death kiss. Uh, you're right, you're, you're right. Jay. Having a franchise goalie for the next 15 years for the Oilers would be horrible. <laughs> no, but like I, I, I'm fine with a goalie with a nine-two-five save percentage over nine-four and paying him half the money. Uh, okay, you know now, and, now and I feel like an idiot. You're investing right. on a deeper blue line, so yeah. you just reduce the amount of shots he takes. Hey, just look at their five on five on five numbers. If they're good, then he's good enough. Koskinen, you're good. Yeah. They're certainly banking on Koskinen being uh, being good enough, but it, well, we paid him. We paid him like we are, so we, we just have to like collectively just like realize like yeah. he's our goalie for two more years. There, if he gets paid like a number one, then he is a number one. That's, that's exactly how it is. That's Can you simple. imagine if Shirelli would have just handled that contract properly and not like if he would have done their smart thing, which would have been wait for the end of the season when the goalie market was still a little flooded at that time. And he would have gotten Koskinen for like a three by three instead of four by four and a half. Like, oh, they would have been in such a better spot with Koskinen making three million. We'd be looking at that as a value deal. Koskinen's perception in this fan base would be vastly different if Shirelli would have just handled that properly. Yep. Yeah. It, 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 everything, everything shaped up poorly for him. Like, yeah. Signs that deal and then Shirelli's fired like two days later. Yeah. Like, it just looks bad and then oh, we had man. the finish to the season that we had which was everyone on the roster's fault and you know he wasn't ready to play that much and then we put him in a situation last year where he didn't have to play as much and he Kaufman stole some games for us oh yeah yeah he stole some game for I think he got a shout out for us in uh 
in Dallas or, or let it one goal on the second game. of we a back to back. No business winning. Yeah. Now, and, uh, you know, I'm just like, okay, well, like, all right. Costin's good. But then I, I just still can't fully believe it. But, like, now we don't have a choice. Uncle Ken believes it, so I believe it. Instead, I like to look at it as we have Leon Drysettle and Miko Koskinen for a combined $13 million. So I'd say that's a steal. Yeah, when you start <laughs> factoring in the value deals and just evening them out. <laughs> yeah, Shirelli, are you kidding me? Shirelli killed it. We have Koskinen and Drysaddle under contract, $13 million combined. That's just great. Don't look at Koskinen at four and a half. Look at Koskinen and Yamamoto as a combined 5.4. Exactly. <laughs> that's a steal. Uh, okay. All right. We, uh, we should probably wrap this up cause it's been an hour. Time flies. It was, uh, this, the week of the draft of free agency is always one of my favorite weeks of the year. And this year certainly did not disappoint. And Ken Holland deserves a lot of credit for that. So, uh, like I said, didn't love the Smith signing, but everything else, uncle Ken absolutely knocked it out of the park. I like that. We had some optimism, optimism on today's podcast as well. Uh, guys, thanks for giving me an hour of your time here. That was good. Wait, are we not going to talk about Dak Prescott's ankle? Oh, fuck. That was oh, yeah. Well, let's talk about our picks for the weekend. My, the, well, actually, I can say Josh and I's brownies yep. showed up. I said, money line, take yep. them. You did. Yep. You you nailed America's that, actually. Team. America's team, Cleveland Browns. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, also, I'm also a Raiders guy now, if anyone's wondering. Why? Oh, that was a huge they win. They cost me so much <laughs> fucking money with that win, man. I was so pissed. <laughs> Same. Uh, I had KC minus nine and a half. Are you kidding me? Yeah, man. Oh, fuck. I had KC, and then halfway through the game, I was like, well, there's no way they don't come back and win this. So I went and live bet the Chiefs as well. I had them in like three oh. parlays that would have hit if they would have won. Oh, that was... I was mad after watching that game. Um, but, Jay, you mentioned our uh, locks of the week, which uh, we head over to our friends at oddshark.com. We research hard. We make our smart picks, and we try to... Uh, we try to give you some good advice, and then there's Jay who just picks the Browns most of the time. Uh, but Jay, you were actually right. We only went uh, 500 this week. Chalmers had the Cowboys minus seven and a half. That didn't hit because Dak's ankle blew up, and that was awful. Uh, I had the Seahawks minus seven. They played like shit, and still somehow found a way to win, but they didn't cover. You had the Browns, and Bag Milk had the Steelers. So that brings our record on the year up to 11 and nine, which is pretty good. We're above 500 picking against the spread. Well, and I just Jay, betting with my heart. I'm getting hot right now. So watch how I finish the season. Yeah. He's hot. Mortal lock of the week for Jay. I'm hitting that every week. <laughs> but uh, how about the Browns? Yeah, that was a good win. Football club. Browns are buzzing right now. It's simple as that. OBJ and the boys are uh, they're playing some good football here. We'll, let's see if they can keep it up. They're a team that you root for, OBJ. right? I know Josh loves OBJ, and I'm normally kind of an anti-OBJ because he's kind of like a me first bad attitude guy but i think something's changed yeah he's a locker room guy now he's a locker room guy now he's he's and and and, and if he and, and normally like if if he gets hit or pushed out of bounds after a catch or after a missed catch he's normally like getting in someone's face and chirping he's patting him on the head yeah like, like being like hey like good try or good you know good tackle like, i'm like oh my god is this, is, is this guy gone through an attitude overhaul because if he has weapon obj okay, weapon. obj had his steve eiserman moment yeah, I think he did. I think he did. He, he I, think, I, think, I think Juice finally calmed him down. Juice is the OBJ whisperer. <laughs> yeah, back at LSU, they go way back. They go way back. And way Bake is now feeling confident. Like, Bake is moving. He's, he's making throws. He doesn't look scared. He's going through his progressions. Yeah. Like They're doing more, like, more team uh, exercises off the field. They're just bonding. Lots of journaling. Lots of downtime. <laughs> just They're just really feeling it right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to see. And the Raiders are back as well. So, 
if you're listening to yeah, yeah. this and wondering where our conversation with Scott Hastings is, we're actually, now that it's basically just football on the schedule, we're moving Scott to Thursdays so he can give us advice heading into the NFL week. So we're going to be doing that now on Thursdays moving forward. Um, Tyler, your Bills play tomorrow night. Yeah, tomorrow night. It's a Tuesday nighter between the Bills and Titans. Oh, wow. I, don't I love hate, Tuesday nighter. I don't hate this whole, like, last week we had two games on Monday night, which was fun. I wish they did two games every Monday night. Now it's like this Tuesday game with the Bills, and that means you have less days in between, you know, the end of the week and the start of week six it'll be. Uh, I don't mind this football being placed on random days throughout the week. It's kind of fun. Tyler, what's the line for tomorrow night? Should I be taking the Bills or what? I would going take- up against the undefeated Titans. Yeah, well, the Bills are also undefeated, and the Bills haven't had like 30 COVID tests in their organization in the last week. So I would say whatever the line is, I'd feel pretty comfortable taking the Buffalo Bills. Um, I haven't actually looked at what it is. Bills are rolling. Oh, the Bills are minus three and a half right now. Oh, pound that. Pound that. Easy. That's easy money for my 4-0 Buffalo Bills. I need 45 points out of Josh Allen in fantasy. You think I get it? No, you're not going to get 45 out of them. You might get 30. What? I need oh, I need okay, Josh, never mind. No. I need I Josh I Allen and Stefan Diggs to outscore Derrick Henry by 33 points. Oof. Oh, that's, that's a hefty little hill. I need Henry to have a bad game and it's possible. Um cuz like, you know, if Diggs gets if Diggs goes off and gets me like 22 and then Allen can get me like that 25 27 range he's kind of been sitting at. Then, then it's possible. I just need Henry to stay it's out doable. of the end zone. Yeah, it's doable. It's doable. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll talk. And some Henry more. might have coronavirus, so we don't know. Yeah, maybe he's not even fucking playing. Uh, we'll talk more about the NFL on Thursday's episode of the podcast. Hopefully, Chalmers is here. He's always good for a couple spicy NFL takes as well. Uh, but that's going to do it for episode two twenty one, the off season recap edition of the Real Life Podcast, presented to you by Oodle Noodle. Check him out on Instagram. Always some fire noodle memes going up there. And don't forget. 15 located. The 15th location is coming soon for Oodle Noodle. Wherever you are in Edmonton, there's an Oodle Noodle close by. 10% of all in-store proceeds go towards a local charity. Also, save 15% when you use the promo code NATION15 at twigandberries.ca. A great local company. Support local. Get comfortable. Twigandberries.ca. Josh, Jay, thanks, boys. Pleasure. This episode of the Real Life Podcast is over. Great job on making it through the entire hour of the Real Life Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.